do it after we dismiss. We'll ask those that are going to be part of either preparing for or involved in working in uh, Saturday's great uh, activity, the Beast Feast, 17th annual Beast Feast, a wild game dinner for men and boys. Praise the Lord. Thank God for all the ladies who work and help uh, behind the scenes and do so much to help us. We're going to have a, a brief meeting to make sure we're coordinated, make sure that everything is working together. And then through the week, we're going to be inviting and inviting and inviting. We've got sign-up boards. If you haven't signed up, you can add to it if you'd like to. And we have lots of flyers. We'll get those out this week. Also on Saturday, we're going to have visitation. Don't forget, Wednesday night, 7.30, verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're almost finished with the 15th chapter now. I hope that you'll be out 7.30. And then on Saturday, uh, 9 o'clock, to clean the set up and uh, do some quick visitation before we have our outdoor activities, weather permitting. Pray about that. 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock will be the meal. And uh, we've had some new attenders say, what's the set? They want to know what the setup is. They want to be here. That's good. And uh, you know, this morning I said, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And, I, and then count them on both hands. And, and uh, then take off your shoes and count your toes and bring out all the visitors that you possibly can. And Vafumba. Uh, new believer in Christ, new member of our church. He came up afterwards and says, Pastor, and he wanted a, and a further explanation. And then he said, because, he says, I have both hands up and my shoes off. Amen. So praise God. He's going to be inviting people. I hope he brings the entire embassy. I hope they all come. Wouldn't that be fantastic? And uh, let's just get our neighbors, our family, friends, acquaintances, co-workers, fellow students. Let's get them out. It's going to be great. Don't forget, coming up also... Uh, we have on April the 2nd, Palm Sunday. We'll once again have those palms as we have in the past. And then uh, Lord's Supper on Tuesday night, April the 4th. We'll do some more explaining about our procedure to folks. And uh, then on Sunday, what the world calls Easter Resurrection Sunday, our big musicale, April the 9th, 11 a.m. Let's have a big group out. Now, thank you so much for your giving. If you still haven't gotten in the last of your Bible, your beams giving, you can do so. You can slip it under the door tonight, uh, and it'll get counted in the offering tomorrow. So uh, we can still get it in for the offering. If, you, if you're all done giving, praise the Lord. Thank God for you. I'm very thankful for your faithfulness. We are, and I'm saying this by faith, we are going to exceed the all-time record offering. And we are going to get out 1,500 plus Bibles around the world. Maybe, maybe uh, oh, we'll see. We'll see 1,600 possibly, but we'll see how many get out. Now, you also have seen circulating these envelopes with the green writing. I know that the Christmas, give a Christmas gift to Jesus offering was in green writing. But this, these are some older envelopes that we have used in the past. And this is for the Nehemiah Project. You see... We're going we're gonna to have to do some refinishing on the exterior of the building, some redo on the inside, some, some different things that need to be done. So we're going to be receiving the Nehemiah offering, Arise and Build. We're going to be doing that indefinitely, but it's going to be our, our solo project right now to continue as needed to finish everything around it that needs to, to get done. If you were around here a few weeks ago, you saw something very unusual. We saw some equipment out in the woods. You see, as I've been announcing, the Quartz District is going to become a reality. It's been approved. Millions of, and millions and millions of dollars into it. 
high-end shopping and businesses down here at the intersection. Just an, what, did, what did our representative, our supervisor say? You're going to hate me for two years because there's going to be a horrible traffic issue, but there's going to be a bypass uh, down at that end. So if you're coming here, come from this way, not that way. And uh, that's going to be happening for a couple. But when it's done, there are going to be 1,100 homes behind us that need Jesus. And we're going to get some vehicles to run in and out of there and pick everybody up. And we're going to say, yeah, oh, yeah, we're over here in the corner. We're the Quartz District Church. Amen. Amen. Going to reach them all. Amen. I mean, that's what they call us. The, the developers call us the Quartz District Church. We're not changing our name. We're still, we're still Central Baptist Church. We'll never be anything but that. But uh, for their understanding, we want them to, to yes, this is, we're right there on the corner of the whole development. That's coming in. I, I saw those people out there. And the, the director of the entire development's coming out, and he and I are going to walk the property out here, and there's going to be things happening. You're going to see tractors. You're going to see things happening right next door. And we're going to put up a little bit of dust, a little bit of mud, a little bit of dirt, because people are coming, and people have souls, and souls have to spend eternity someplace. We hope they'll spend it in heaven, because we're going to give them the gospel. Amen and amen. I can't wait. I'm just so excited. Amen. All right, so Nehemiah Project, we gotta, we got to gussy up and fix up everything, repair everything that we can. Get ready for the influx. Get ready for the growth. The growth is going to happen, and we're going to pray that it will become positive, good, good growth to the glory of God. We want to down at the cross where my Savior died. We want to do that glory to His name. Amen and amen. Would you take your Bible tonight? And would you turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. I want you to go away tonight with something that you can sink your spiritual teeth into. I want all of our friends and family across the region, across the nation, around the world that are going to be picking this up on the broadcast. I want everybody to be able to say, I got something out of that first century letter that will apply to me in my life in this 21st century in which we're living. Amen. All right. First Thessalonians. So Paul is writing by inspiration to the church at Thessalonica. You can see that on your, on your uh, Bible map in the back of your Bible. You can see where Thessalonica is. And recently, some of our missionaries went to do a restart after 2,000 years of a church in, uh, I think they call it Thessaloniki or something like that. And, but Thessalonica is what we've called it in our Bibles. Paul and Silvanus, that's Silas. And Timotheus, that's Timothy, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're in chapter 2 now. For yourselves, brethren, that's the saved people in that church, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. They were there when it happened. Uh, right now, we've got folks that aren't even saved yet who are going to get saved. They're going to get baptized. They're going to get discipled. They're going to be part of Central Baptist Church, and they're going to be part of the future excite, excitement and growth that's going to be going on around here. They're not even saved yet, 
but we're going to reach them on visitation. We're going to reach them through the Beast Feast. We're going to reach them through the ladies' spring luncheon. We're going to reach them through all of our summertime and fall activities and our outreach and our growth and our increase in our various programs. We're going to be reaching people, praise God. We're going to be reaching through the Hispanic ministry, and these people are going to be coming to God uh, because Jesus Christ died on the cross to save everyone's soul if they'll just uh, come by faith. And uh, they're going to be part of this and they're going to be living stones. That, that's what Peter called them. Living parts, components of this thing called the church. A called out assembly. That's what a church is. The Lord has called us out of this old world that has nothing to offer us. And has nothing uh, but, but hell and a horrible dark future to offer. And God has called us out by His grace and by His mercy, and for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't care where they were born, where they came from, what they've been doing, what they belong to, they need to come to God. Saturday, we were at um, the memorial service for Miss Katie Lane, a, a gentle woman, I described her, like you would talk about a man being a gentleman. She was a, a lady. She was truly an appropriate, gentle woman. And we will miss her. But she's in heaven. She's gone on before. But all of her family and connections from the D.C. and Maryland area, a few from California, were there. And then we had some folks from Fellowship House and a few other people. And I am so glad that when I opened up the program, see, I had not been scheduled. I went out of respect to Katie, and I saw right in there, boom, it was like a bright light shone out of that program. It said, reflections by family and friends. Amen. That includes me. All right. Katie always used to say that we were family, right? So family and friends. So I waited till they all got through and uh, they got up and they talked and they had, they shared the good experiences and they bawled a little bit, you know, and they, they got some off of their chest and the, you know, they, they said some things, uh, good things and positive things and a lot of human things. But I was waiting my turn, waiting my turn until the last person got up there. And then, and then Katie's daughter got up and she was hugging the last person who had just spoken. And as she started to turn, she says, and now we're going to hear. And she was going to say, we're going to hear our next special. But then she caught me in her peripheral vision. She said, oh, and I said, just a minute. She had said two minutes. I said, I'll just take a few minutes. And I got up there and had no prepared notes now, the things that I would have prepared, the things I would have said, I didn't say. Instead, the Lord gave us the words. We quoted some scripture. We gave the plan of salvation. I said, you know, Katie would like us just to bow our heads right now. Katie would like us to all pray together. So everybody, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And, and if she could speak to you right now, and I gave, I gave it just like that. And if you, I want you to go back as far as you can in your memory to when you were a child and then come this direction. Can you ever remember a time when you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save you? And if you can't. And if you don't know that you're going to heaven, then right now, why don't you pray? And just pray from your heart something like this. Dear God, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. And you know, you know how it goes. Gave it to them. And you could see the mouths moving. Then you could hear the voices. And many, many, many of Katie's dear family, friends, and extended uh, family and friends uh, prayed and received Jesus Christ as Savior God didn't put us down here, just take up space and use up resources. We need to redeem the time because the days are evil. And, uh, and so here it is. 
I want you to do it in the nicest possible way. I don't want you to get arrested. I don't want you to get kicked out. But if you go to a funeral and it says family and friends, reflections, you get up there. You give the plan of salvation. All right? I was kidding with, with uh, Brother Tyler, you know, about, uh, about crashing it. I don't mean to. You shouldn't hijack it, okay, because you get arrested for hijacking. But go in there and just sweetly share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And... Uh, uh, don't, don't do anything personally that would offend, uh, but just share Jesus Christ, share the gospel. Say, there's only one way to heaven. And I'm so glad we did, because they didn't get it later on. If you catch my drift, they got it then. They got the truth then. Amen. Praise God. And we give Him the glory. Amen. All right. So, these folks were saved, and they remembered the entrance of Paul and Silas and Timothy, but even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. I talked about holy boldness this morning at the bus meeting, didn't I? Talked about the end of the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians, putting on the whole armor of God and all that. And he said, as for me, that I may have utterance, boldness to speak out, we need to do that. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to share the gospel. And what is the answer to everybody's problem? When they start leaning on you and saying, I got a problem with money. I got a problem with health. I got a problem with the family. I got a problem with the job. When you've said everything that you can say, then here's, what, here's the answer. Jesus is still the answer. And that's all you got to say. You know what? The answer is Jesus Christ. And they go, what? Yeah, the answer is Jesus Christ. Why don't we pray? Why don't we go to Him right now? Well, I believe He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I, I believe everything is under His authority, uh, under His power, all power in heaven and in earth. Now, that would include what we're talking about here, this situation. I believe Jesus is in charge. and We need to go to Him and talk to Jesus. If you want to speak to somebody, you want to talk to somebody and get something done, let's talk to Jesus. So the next time someone's... Bend in your ear about their problems, about their hurts, about their needs. You say, well, let's go to Jesus about that right now. And so there it is. There it is. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. People are not going to like the fact that we have simplified it biblically to the point of he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's simple. That's basic, isn't it? That's cut and dried. And that's the way we're going to keep it. Don't ever want to get so ethereal. If I'm preaching and it sounds poetic and ethereal, but it's one of those things that you say, boy, that sounded good. I haven't got the foggiest idea what that man said. Then at that point, I've gone off the rails. And we don't, we don't want that. We want to keep it simple. We want to keep it basic. Just tell the truth. Speak the truth in love. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. There was no ulterior motive when Paul and Silas and Timothy came to town and they ministered to the people of Thessalonica. Those lost people who before didn't know they were going to heaven got saved because Paul and Silas and Timothy came with the right motive. They had the right method. They came for the right purpose. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, that put in trust, that commitment concept, is just like putting it in the bank. 
There it is. Put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Father, fill me now with the Spirit. I pray that you will help me as we talk about those most important things in the Christian life. And may we be used by you for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I was telling you about the sword of the Lord. A lot of good things. You ought to get the sword. If you don't, uh, it's worth the $20 or so a year. And they'll send you uh, 26 of these. Every other week you're going to get one. And uh, usually you can get it for $20, $25, something like that. They'll run specials. This is important. I want you to see in the scripture, uh, back in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I've preached there many, many times, uh, where the church of Thessalonica is in view, and it's presented as the ideal church. Now, nobody's perfect, sinlessly perfect. Uh, nobody's without their flaws. And so, as they're being presented, they're being presented as the ideal. Ideal doesn't mean sinless. It means considered the standard for attainment. That's it. So the ideal church is Thessalonica, presented in chapter number one. They are presented as a called out, because that's what a church is, ecclesia, called out assembly, displaying the three elements that we see over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But I want you to, to turn uh, back to uh, 1 Thessalonians and chapter 1 right now, 1 Thessalonians and chapter 1, and I'm going to show you something, all right? Verse number 3, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, mark that down, and labor of love, underline that, and patience of hope. Now, faith, hope, and love. We see that in 1 Corinthians 13. These three, but the greatest of these is charity or God's perfect love. So we have those, uh, those spiritual virtues being presented. And whenever we have that in the scripture, these are not unattainable. These are attainable. So that church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is the ideal church because guess what? It's a role model. It's for you and me. And we can become like that church. We can be a role model. Now, they didn't think they had arrived, and we know we haven't arrived, and we never will until the Lord takes us home. So when we are a role model, it is just for whose glory? The glory of God. Not for our glory. It's just that simple. We have uh, uh, true, exemplary followers of the Lord Jesus and of Paul. They're enthusiastic for the Lord, they're expecting, they're looking for Jesus to come. And uh, we need to go back and review that. That's, that's like uh, uh, Christianity 101. Go back and review it. Well, in these verses, in chapter number 2, we've gone one step beyond. Chapter 1, we see the ideal church. The truth is, it's made up of imperfect folks like you and me. These individual church members, these workers for the Lord, uh, they, they yield to God. We should yield to God. Put that down. Number one thing to do on Monday morning, yield to God. Number one thing to do, moment by moment, yield to God. When we're not yielded to God, we're just operating in the flesh. 
No telling what's going to happen. They, they were filled with the Spirit. We're not filled with the Spirit. We're full of ourselves. And uh, they put on the armor of God. And if we don't put on the armor of God, we're unprotected. We're going to get shot at. And those fiery darts are going to take their toll. And as I have written a song about that, put on the armor of God every day, be filled with the Spirit, and pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray without ceasing. Amen. And like I preached this morning, the title of my message was, Keep on keeping on. Amen. Keep on plowing. Keep your hand on the plow. We plow for the practice, uh, for the practical aspect, pursuing the goal. We plow. We keep our hand on the plow. We keep our eye focused forward. We keep our heart in it. We don't stop. We don't give up. We just keep on going. Amen. And that's what these Christians, who are the component parts of the ideal church at Thessalonica, are supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be. You and I want to be like those individuals. We want to be like those component parts of the local church. And praise God for that. I was mentioning the sword of the Lord. I didn't get to it, but I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to share it. Um, this, this is entitled, I Am Your Friend. To the man who prizes sanity, peacefulness, pure-mindedness, social standing, and longevity, I am a necessity. I am hung about with sweet memories. Memories of brides, memories of mothers, memories of boys and girls, memories of the aged as they grope their ways down the shadows. I live in the lives of the young and in the dreams of the old. I lift up the fallen, strengthen the weak, and help the distressed. I show mercy and bestow kindness. I give the gifts that gold cannot buy nor kings take away, given freely to all who ask. Sometime, someday, some hour in the near or far future, you will learn for the touch of my friendly hand. I am your local church. And today it is a great tragedy that so many have chosen willfully and deliberately to absent themselves from the services of the church. We're not going to give up. We want them to come back. Question is asked, what is a Christian? A preacher was asked that. And he gave his answer According to Scripture, one who is saved, one who is sealed, one who is seated, one who is sanctified, one who is secure, one who is separated, one who is sustained, one who is a son of God, one who is a saint, one who is a servant, one who is a suppliant, one who is a soldier, one who is a stone, one who is a stranger, one who is a sheep, one who is a steward, one who is a sufferer, and one who will see the Lord. I like that. I don't have time to go into it all, but I'm glad that preacher preached that message. And I'm glad tonight that we have this clear example of the components that make up this ideal church. And they are presented in four different descriptions. Description number one is chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Chapter 2, 1 through 6. I want you to bracket it and write the faithful steward, S-T-E. W-A-R-D. It is required in stewards that a man or a person, any person that's saved, be found what? Faithful. Stewardship is exactly that. Stewardship requires faithfulness. Otherwise, if a person's a bad steward, they're not going to remain a steward very long. A steward is a caretaker of something which does not belong to him or her, but that which is entrusted to him, as we have already read in verse number 4. We were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. 
Ah, now it comes down. How good are we as stewards when we measure our care of the gospel with which we've been entrusted? To be put in trust with the gospel. We often talk about taking care of other people's stuff when they go away on a trip or, we, you know, we water their plants, we look after their canary, as the case may be. But the steward of the gospel and of the word of God takes that message and does not alter it and does not diminish it, but delivers it, holds and delivers it as necessary without, without alteration whatsoever. The main responsibility then of that steward is to faithfully pass the message along. It is the basis of this upon which we are going to be judged for rewards when King Jesus comes again. A believer must be willing to suffer, as it says here. Suffer and be bold in the face of that. A faithful steward lives to please God and not men, as we've read in verse number 4. The message is not delivered by deceit. The motive is pure. The method is honest and transparent. Paul did not resort to the misuse of language. It doesn't, uh, doesn't include any flattery. Look at verse 5. For neither in any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ, there you go. They're not looking for personal gain or advancement. They just want to deliver the goods. My success or failure as a preacher will not be determined by the size of the congregation or the accolades that are bestowed upon me for whatever I may or may not do. That's not it. What happens is when I see King Jesus, He either says, well done, good and faithful servant, or he doesn't. It's that simple. And so the first appearance of the church member, who's flawed as we all are, just part of components of the ideal church, is that we must be found faithful. We must take care of that with which we have been entrusted. The gospel, we can't let it diminish at all. We get out there, we're talking to people, don't just talk about the church. Don't just talk about the sunny day. But talk about Jesus and talk about Him dying and paying the price, paying the penalty. And He loved you more than anybody ever loved you. Your mother loved you. Your dad loved you. Your family loved you. Your spouse loves you. But nobody ever loved you like Jesus. Amen. And then, beginning of verse 7, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being... a affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. This is what a, a member, an imperfect member of the ideal church will be like. Sometimes we got to treat people like their mama. Sometimes we got to treat them like their mama. Gentle. Like a nursing mother. He... He's saying again and again and again that these people are like his spiritual children. He has begotten them. And uh, so he is giving 
loving care, special concern. My mom was a wonderful lady, and I'm sure she would give and do for others as much as she possibly could, and praise God for that. But you know what? She treated her kids best. And there's nobody in the neighborhood that could come and say, Mrs. Winnegar, Sr., which is not fair. Why, you, you treat Dan and Jan and Brad so well, and uh, yeah, you treat us nice, but you treat them better. And she would say, of course, because they're my children. In our church, we should treat people like they are our children with love and compassion, like a mother cares for her own children, feeds them, clothes them, takes care of them in such a special way. Nobody ever took better care of her children than my dear wife took care of our children. I mean, she spoiled them, did all special things, made special food, did special things, had special, just just specialized on them, praise the Lord. And we all should have that same care and love for the folks that cross our paths. And in the church, we should love people that way. So we should be a steward, faithful to God, looking forward to hearing well done. We should be loving toward people like a loving mother would be. And then notice in verse number 9, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Look at that. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe, and ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you. As a father doth his children. There you go. Another designation. Not only a faithful manager, a steward, committed the gospel, taking care of delivering the gospel, loving people like a mother in a special way, but being like a father. And the father is given the responsibility in the book of Proverbs of delivering the doctrinal truth, the teaching. I'm talking about the spiritual building blocks of our life. Now, mom is there all day long to apply that uh, so the kids will figure on a, on a, on a practical basis how that all applies. But dad is the one who teaches the truth and, and models the truth in, in the sense that he's the, he's the solid one in truth conveyance, in, in imparting the truth like a concerned father. I'm thankful that he, God provided people in my life who would keep me from going off the rails as frequently as I would if I'd been left to my own devices. That's it. I mean, there were lots of times I wasn't allowed to go with a group that I wanted to go with or go to a place I wanted to go or do a thing that I wanted to do. Why? Because Dad said, we're just not going to do that. And I wanted to. And somehow I got this crazy cockamamie idea in my teenage head that because I was a teenager now, I had reached a point where I ought to be able to decide if I did that thing and went with that group and did that, that activity. And he said, no. We, speaking of the Winnegars, this family, we don't do that. We don't do that. Now, praise God for the church members who've got enough stability to know that, uh, for example, if somebody comes in here and decides to act crazy and uh, they decide that they're going to be uh, the role model for the rest of us and, 
and they're going to swing from the chandeliers and be the crazy charismatics. Thank God for the people who, are, who like a father, are going to stand up and say, we don't do that here. We're not going to act foolish. No frigid formalism, no foolish fanaticism. We're right on down the middle, like Lee Robertson used to say, right on down the middle, students, right on down the middle. Amen. That's it. That's it. A concerned father keeps you from going off the rails. A concerned father lets you know what your limits are. Your concerned father, now he loves you, but that loving concern is expressed in stability and strength. And praise God for that. The Apostle Paul is saying, the component parts of the ideal church, as flawed and imperfect as they are, first of all, they're stewards of the gospel. Caretakers of that which did not belong to them, but was given to them for safekeeping. Number two, they're like loving, specializing mothers, showing special care and love. And they're like firm, established dads who are going to keep everybody on the straight and narrow. And that's what we need to be. Moving on. Verse number 17. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Here, Paul is speaking as a brother in Christ. You say, all right, let me get this right. First, he presents the church member of the ideal church, though flawed and imperfect, as a steward. Yes. And then he presents as a nursing, loving, caring, specializing mother. Yes. And then he presents as a firm, strong, tower of strength, you know, keep you, keep you on the straight and narrow dad. Yes. And then he concludes by being a loving brother, calls them brethren. He saw himself as one of them. He's part of a family, and so are we. He says, he says that he was away from them, like a child away from home. He loved them. He prayed for them. He desired to see them again. After all, the test of spiritual life is not what we do when we're inside these four walls but it's when we're away from these four walls are we truly living out what we profess. Wow. This is great because we have a concluding thought on the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. He could come back in any moment. He could come back before we finish this message, before we finish this service. He could come back before I finish this breath. And Paul did what we have to do. He saw the other Thessalonian Christians in the light of Christ's coming. In the light of Christ's coming, everything becomes clear. Everything that's been obscured, everything that's been hidden, everything that's been masked comes out in the open. A few weeks ago, one of the brethren here came to me and said, it's been, and he gave me an amount of time. He said, let's just say, been six months. Been six months. I said, great. Now only he and I know what it is that the Lord Jesus Christ by His power and by His grace took out of His life 
six months ago, and he hasn't gone back to it. And I'm not going to share it with you tonight, but I'm just going to say praise God. And when I was looking at him, I was looking at him through the, the beautiful bright light of Christ's coming. Jesus is going to come. And if Jesus were to come right now, he'd say, praise God that whatever it was six months ago, you let me take that out of your life. Praise God. Amen. What is it in your life that the Lord needs to take out? It's what we see in the light of His coming. We need to do today, we need to deal with today the things that we want Jesus to straighten out in the light of His coming. What we're not doing, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. James chapter 4 and verse 17. What is it that we're not doing that we see in the light of Jesus coming that we need to start doing again? We need to crank it up again and by the power of God go forward and do that and continue that and continue that. Praise God. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And here Paul is saying, you're our joy. You're our joy. And in a very real, practical, relational sense, everybody in the church is our joy. And the fact that they can look on our life and perhaps they can see improvement, advancement, consistency, good things, praise the Lord, but they can also see inconsistency and perhaps sin and, and they, they see where we, we need uh, some help and so they pray for us and they edify us and they encourage us and they build us up as we encourage them and edify them and build them up. Why? Because we're all part of the fabric of this thing called the church. Which am I going to be, preacher? Am I going to, am I going to be the steward? Or am I going to be the nursing mother? Or am I going to be uh, the, you know, the firm dad? Or am I going to be the brother who's one of them and understands and interacts with them? We're going to be all of those. God is looking for us to be a blend of all of those with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it is a high and holy and heavenly calling. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you tonight would say, Preacher, God's Spirit spoke to my heart about my part in the church. Raise your hand up. Come on. God spoke to me. Amen. Let's us endeavor to be what we ought to be for the glory of God, to help others as well, to keep on keeping on. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You know for sure that heaven is your home. If you're not 100% sure, would you come right now? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to ask you to pray right now from your heart. If you're not sure you're saved, dear God, dear God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ. I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart, into my heart as my personal Savior, as my personal Savior. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to come.
passes by. In the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face while the storm howls above me and there's no hiding place mid the crash of the thunder. Precious Lord, hear my cry, keep me safe till the storm passes by. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the Yeah. 